Host of Cinema Death Cult. I'm here with my first ever guest. Uh, this is I'm here with Helder Mira. You say hi to the nice people. Hi, nice people. So Helder is himself a podcaster. Yeah, I just started recently in the last few months, thanks to the coronavirus um, and boredom. And dear friend and co-host Vivian yeah. and I used to just meet up for drinks and constantly go over pop culture, all the subtext of pop culture and different things like specifically race and, and gender. And so we kept saying like, we should just start a podcast um, while we were drunk. So we decided to do it while we were sober. Yeah. Um, and so finally we, we got around to doing that and talking about a lot of stuff. It's been a really good stress relief and it's called So Pretentious okay. a Podcast. And I'll link to it in the in the write-up on this show. That's great. How many episodes are you guys up to now? Um, so we're about, I think we're up to 10 or 11 total. I also kind of spin, spun off a little bit and started doing a, a Mandalorian recapping episode okay. under the same kind of umbrella just to like, because I'm too cheap <laughs> and I don't want to have to pay for yet another like podcasting account. So we're doing that and it just kind of links together. It's just a little awkward because it's not with Vivian. It's with a different friend, um, Ed. Yeah. Um, so, it, but that's been, that's been a lot of fun too, because it gives me something to, since there's no more water coolers to talk around, we right like yeah. itching to talk with people. So, and it's better than Twitter. <laughs> oh, speaking of Twitter, the, the genesis for this conversation we're going to have is that like a month ago or so, we had a Twitter dialogue about the films of Tim Burton. You know, it, it became evident very quickly that Helder and I had very disparate views about uh, the quality of the films, the body of work of Tim Burton. Which one was you? Did you say was your favorite Beetlejuice? The only one you stood by, or was it Beetlejuice or Burton? I mean, I think the one I like the most, without reservation, is is Pee Wee's Big Adventure, right. and, and also Ed Wood. I think that that one I I mostly like, but I do have a sort of a meta criticism of it that I'll get into later because I rewatched it for the purpose of this podcast. Yeah. I think it's pretty good. I think otherwise, you know, I, I, I'm not I'm not too high on Tim Burton. I'm trying to find the most diplomatic way to say that. I, <laughs> I feel like he's He's not my favorite filmmaker. As I was watching, you know, Batman Returns uh, this weekend, yeah, um, and then comparing it with um, the dreaded Snide, like he almost has a sense of being like art direction versus and quality of look and uh, ideas versus actual story and actual yeah like, yeah yeah things that that are cohesive that make a story work. Um, I have to say, like going into this, I was like excited to at least rewatch that Ed and Ed Wood. Yeah, um, I really do wish we had done something. Although, you, did you end up watching Charlie and the Chocolate Factory or no? No, I did not rewatch Charlie and the Chocolate okay. Factory. That ended up not happening. But I did, I did watch Dumbo though. Yeah, and, I just uh, actually just finished it right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. That uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. We'll talk- I feel like I, I feel like. We probably should not have watched. I feel like I, one of us owes the other one an apology, or maybe both of us does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll get to that. Like, yeah. Well, I do wish we'd have done like one in the one of like the central like center center years like that he did versus like. Yeah. I feel Batman Returns and Ed Wood are like literally back to back. I yeah, totally yeah. forgotten that. I thought for some reason Mars yeah, Attacks was in the middle, but we this doesn't have to be the only time we talk about this. We true, can do this true. again. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but but let's back up a little bit because I liked where I liked where you're going. But so the idea for this was that you you like that generally you like the films of Tim Burton, and I kind of don't. And I was hoping that the first thing you could do um, is just tell me why you like them. So let me preface it by saying that I never saw like I haven't seen anything since any of his new stuff since charlie and the chocolate factory i I did see alice in wonderland and i think i feel like that was just unnecessary i became a a burton fan because of his early works peewee's big adventure yeah beetlejuice and then of course i was a huge batman fan so when i heard he was doing batman i kind of like just doubled down i mean at the time i was 10 ish 12 uh, no 89 so yeah yeah. like going on 12 or so 
Yeah. Um, and so like I was, you know, I bought into the whole Batman Burton look and everything. And then from there, like Edward Scissorhands is a beautiful looking film, just lovely, like fairy tale. Um, again, like a lot of style, <laughs> a lot of, yeah, like, yeah, for sure. Um, Beetlejuice. Like I've gone back to see it. And one of the reasons why I thought like, a recent, in recent years, Pee-wee's Big Adventure I saw not that long ago as well, like over the last 10 years or so. And I remember just like that, just really living up to like what that was. And the thing with that is like, it's such a like work for hire because it's so like ensconced in Paul Rubens and like Pee-wee. So it's, yeah, yeah. you can see the flourishes that of Burton coming into it and like the touches that he's bringing to it, but it's still so much product of the main person who's Pee-wee right, and, right, the, right. and the producers. Um, and in Beetlejuice, like one of the reasons I wanted, had wanted to talk about that just in very brief, like we all identify that look, um, like cinema fans and, and Burton fans, um, and people that grew up in the nineties watching films, like that very American Gothic look that he brought to Beetlejuice, like associate like, Oh, Beetlejuice is such a like Burton creation. When in fact, it's actually not like he was given that script by, I want to say it was, um, John Peters or, or, or Peter Gruber or Gruber um, or whatever his name is. It was um, Hans Gruber. <laughs> by the way, same year, 88. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> Look at you. I'm looking at IMDb right now. That's why. <laughs> That's, so I, I, know, say, I like, didn't realize uh, I was interviewing Wikipedia. Yeah. Um, this is the most prepared I am. I have IMDb open. So anyway, with Beetlejuice, like he actually, while the designs are very much him, like Keaton is such the driving force behind Beetlejuice. He almost didn't want to use Keaton at one point he was brought in before him and then you know obviously the two of them kind of took off and creating like a working relationship after that yeah that he then brings Keaton back to be Batman against like a lot of people's expectations yeah, yeah, yeah. I go on in my own podcast a lot about like miscasting of stuff such as um Snyder specifically doing just miserable miscasting while Ben Affleck kind of has a, a Bruce Wayne look. Keaton just like really did a lot in Batman. I feel like he kind of owned the character quite well. And even to this day, so many people still refer to him as a, as the Batman for their generation, mm-hmm. you know, and as a kid, I really, really liked Batman watching it recently last year for the 30th anniversary, like on Blu-ray. There's a lot of things where I'm just like, wow, like you can see where it's, um, you can see where it's just so raw. Like there's so much that, um, or uncooked, I should say like he, there are a lot of, interesting ideas like sam ham's not exactly a great writer um yeah yeah he you know he really follows the comic book ideas far too much and like having had like the nolan films to compare it to now it's kind of like yeah you know there's there's a lot of interesting stuff a lot of good design work there's just a lot of stuff that now feels a little dated i do wish we could have seen the the third part that brought that would have brought billy d williams as harvey dent back that would have been a great idea at least at least fun more so than what we got with the batman forever and the joel schumacher films i like joel schumacher man i did you i like i watched lost boys recently and i think that's a really good movie i like falling down a lot like falling down's a really good movie um sorry that's kind of a pressure yeah, movie exactly um yeah so that's maybe the well, one of the differences between us and the ideas of what we see with the with the Burton movies. Like, you know, I liked Batman Returns when I saw it. I hadn't actually seen it for a while until now. And I, for the longest time, I've been championing that as like one of his better movies. Definitely one of the better Batman movies. Watching it again <laughs> yesterday, I'm almost like, man, I'm going to owe like... I'm going to owe Adam so much of an apology because like, I'm starting to like, to, like kids don't go back and watch your heroes when you're older. because Sometimes it just falls flat a little bit. Really? You're disappointed um, by it. There were aspects of it that I was disappointed by. Um, I still, you know, going back, like at the time I was DeVito as penguin was great. I felt like watching it now, just always having known like the comic book characters and even, yeah, I still contest the best interpretations of Batman period are the Batman animated series, which wouldn't have happened without Batman and Batman returns. And that interpretation of penguin just is so much better, but I almost saw it as like a more Gothic version of the Batman series from the sixties. Like there's, there's some campy moments in there for all the stuff that they kept saying, how dark it was like watching it. Now I'm like, it's yes, it definitely has a certain darkness. There's a great like subtext for Selena Kyle and the feminist tropes that she comes into that she brings into it. And seeing some of that, like way, some of the acting, it gets a little over the top and campy between everyone. Like Christopher Walken, 
walk in to to Danny DeVito and even like um uh even Selena Kyle herself like Michelle Pfeiffer has yeah, Michelle gets Pfeiffer. a little campy at points. Uh I think she's very campy in fact. Like a she says like I am Catwoman hear me roar. Oh yeah. I, just, yeah. I want to just throw my laptop across the the room when she said that it was really it's like oh god man. This doesn't have to be stupid, you know. <laughs> Yeah, it did get so seeing it now is like wow, it's it's a lot it's actually a lot campier than I thought. It's just not as there's some great moments that I still stand by. Like I love the dynamics between Cat uh, Catwoman and Batman and and Selina and, and Bruce. Um and there's that great scene where they're dancing to Susie and, and the Banshees and they kind of recognize each other. There's kind of a, a nice little moment where she's like, "So does this mean we have to go fight now?" I mean, it's yeah, always fun to watch Walken yeah. like chew up, yeah. chew up the screen as as anything. So he was, he was great. He just went all yeah, in on yeah. his German expressionism. Yeah. And I think I do have to say it was like, I do want to believe he actually did go in on campy, which is not something I thought of way back when I saw it. So seeing yeah. it now it does come off as like, yeah, he's having a lot more fun with it than he did in the first one. He, he's playing with some of the like tropes. I mean, like one thing that I remember thinking it at the time and now just like watching it again, I'm like, wait a minute. So they, somehow are able to deactivate his Batmobile's armor. We don't know how. They mess it up for a while just to put this stupid little bubbly yeah, thing yeah. underneath the... Like yeah, they've got mean, everything the whole movie so operates that was, as sort of dream logic. It doesn't really benefit to pick apart any one little thing. Like The, the grand right. scheme of the movie is that the Penguin is going to run for mayor, and it's like, oh, no, that's that, that wouldn't make sense at all. It doesn't It doesn't hold together. But you, know, it's like, but you do it in the movie, and it's like, all right, I get it. Well, and the way he he actually has want the way they want him to run from air is more to like so that they can power get this like power plant up and running that's going to actually like much like Max Shrek in in real life playing a vampire is going to actually suck all the energy out of um, Gotham to then have some sort of legacy. Um, yeah, <laughs> for his son. I don't the, the, again. How supposed yeah, dream to work. logic. You don't want to look into it too much. I did love yeah. the guy who played Christopher Walken's son. That like you know large burly guy yeah. who kind of doesn't do a Walken accent, just has a weird way of talking. And I really liked that. I liked that they had a Walken son who, and they kind of thought their way through it. I really appreciated that. I like that he just has this kind of like he's a big bro. Yeah, like he just looks like a big meathead, but like somehow he's always in a suit. Yeah, so always in a suit. He was very much like the um, that Central Park Strangler kind of guy. <laughs> you know, yeah. they kind of look alike, like big exaggerated chins and stuff. Yeah, like he actually um, looks like he could have played. You know, who he looks like in a way nowadays. Um, the guy that plays uh, Homelander on The Boys, um, a little bit meatier though. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, a little bit. I think he has a similar presence. Yeah. But yeah, no, I liked Chris. I mean, I like Chris Rock yeah. all the time. I liked Danny DeVito in, in this movie. Well, let me back up a little bit because I had a similar thing with you because I had watched it a couple of years ago and I liked it. And now rewatching it this time, I was like really not into it, to be honest. Like there are things about it I liked, like the first four or five minutes of the movie mm-hmm. where it's just about like, you know, the penguin as a baby mm-hmm. and it's just these silent scenes. And that was beautiful and had this really deliberate, you know, really well craft of film element to it and it felt like almost like coen brothers level you know of just of cinema especially at the time like coen 90s coen brothers shit oh and i was just like this is great i mean this is going to be amazing but then like the second they started playing that fucking um danny Danny elfman Elfman, yeah oh god it's such a goddamn headache man um it's just like i just could not I, I wasn't chill with that, and I wasn't. I was really not chill with the penguin's performative horniness throughout the movie. Dude, I had not even realized how much it was there as a kid. Like this time around, I was like, "Holy!" Like I remember the the one line I always remember is the like the like um, French flipper trick that he says about Jan Hooks. R.I.P. I was so happy to see fucking Jan Hooks, man. But I had told and, and the groping bit where he like gropes the the girl and like puts the thing. I remember that part. Yeah, it's really creepy. But the really rest creepy. of it is just like I did not realize how much was there until this time around. And, and well, it's like, cool. It's cool because it's like he has this like grimy thing. Like he looks so gross yeah. and he's grimy. Almost like Danny DeVito in um oh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> like that kind of level yeah. of a like, grimy intensity. And, you know, almost like subhuman, whatever right. it's, that's almost, it's almost there. It's like hinting at that. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Christopher Walken, who always brings it, like he has that same mania, the same glint <laughs> in his eyes. Oh, you know? God, and yeah. so that's great. And then like Michelle Pfeiffer, who just seems like psyched to not play like a pretty lady in a blockbuster movie. Like she gets to be a little, to do some more stuff. And 
It looked totally hot in that outfit. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to comment on that. But yeah, it's like, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's a cool energy that's happening, but it's just sort of like the script is not there. Like, I think that it's the editing is off. Like, I think that yeah. like Tim Burton is really good at like making imagery, but I feel like his movies like lack momentum overall. They feel like very deliberate. Like I felt that very much watching Ed Wood. I felt that watching this one. And I remember that about Pee Wee's Big Adventure but that in a good way, because like, you know, so if like you have like a really manic character at the center of it, like Ed Wood or Pee or Beetlejuice, yeah, or Beetlejuice, yeah, then it like it pops because everything else is kind of slow and deliberate and I, whatever. But yeah, but it like in, in, gonna jump Batman, ahead in, in this one thing, which is that I felt that way during Dumbo, just so much yeah, excess yeah. in, 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 um, processing or like telling and, and building up stuff and i definitely see that in batman returns as well now that you mentioned yeah it was like and that's one where i felt it the the most that was because like you have that score that danny elfman score which is so manic and you have these performances that are so manic and it just was like weird that it, it was weird that discrepancy like the the two things in seemed in conflict you know like anytime you see Bruce, he's kind of like when he's as Bruce, he's just kind of quiet and off in this like weird, this weird personal space in his manner. Yeah. Like other than the one time he's like talking to Christopher Walken, which is kind of him being dynamic as much as he can um, and yeah. with, with uh, Selena Kyle. But then the rest of the time, like watching it this time, like it just really <laughs> underscores the, my problem with any of the Batman cinematic versions is that they always forget to make him a detective. Like he's doing a little bit of that here when he's trying to figure out like what the score is with cobble pop. But at the same time, it's just like, he's not really out there doing what we expect Batman to be doing from comics, like actually patrolling, doing things. He's like working on his like Batmobile at one point and yeah, just yeah, sitting yeah. there waiting for right. the bat signal. And, and also like the cobble pot, the, the mystery that he unravels is so preposterous. Yeah. It's not. <laughs> well, and the whole like cobble pot's main final main uh, plot is to actually just kidnap all the like babies, all the firstborn children of Gotham yeah. and kill them. It's like, really? Yeah, I'm glad he brought up Sam Sam Ham before because I, I think that his idea of like writing a comic book movie is that it has to be stupid. It has to be someone really stupid at the core of it, or else yeah. it, it doesn't work. In a way, it's sort of charming. I really like the Adam West TV show. Oh, I did, That's and the Adam West Batman. Mo- yeah, it rules. Like I watched it with my daughter because it's you know not violent, and she you know, and for her it's very exciting. You know, whatever. Um, there's kind of some weird sexism in it, but oh my god! Very, yeah. But yeah, but it's uh, until uh, Batwoman comes in, there's some weird sexism in it. Yeah, Catwoman, then, but, or Batgirl, which one? Batgirl, Batgirl. That's yeah. what I was talking about. But yeah, like in the Batman movie, like uh, it was so like it was so funny to me. It was like towards the beginning of the film, like Batman does a press conference, oh, and the press is there. Is that level of like insanity and disconnection from reality that children would would never like question? It would never question for a second. But adults are like, that's so hilarious. But that's I mean that's very deliberate yeah. in the Batman TV show. Whereas in the Tim Burton ones, just sort of it's bad craft, you know, just like poorly written and bad yeah. craft and dumb ideas. Um, I could go on about Sam Hamm as a bad writer like i don't know if you know well, what else has he done all i know is he wrote these two batman movies Did he so, like, yeah. retire with a billion dollars probably he's probably just living off of the residuals well he wrote he wrote returns but then daniel waters came in and did a lot of revisions on the screenplay so that he's actually credited with the screenplay yeah. daniel waters did heathers he did oh okay um i forgot what else he's done uh oh he did hudson hawk so maybe we should <laughs> he, he did demolition man after the okay i'm gonna demolition man's kind of good yeah yeah it's not oh, bad. He, no yeah okay so, but he, so he did Heather... fair lane all right <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um so but which is actually not as bad as you think yeah uh yeah so sam ham 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 retired after looks like money bone or monkey bone um another... what the fuck is monkey bone monkey bones uh this movie by Henry Selick. It was like one of the last like Brendan Fraser kind of flops with Bridget, uh, Bridget Fonda. It's Bridget Fonda's last film. Oh, she stopped making movies. Yeah. She's, she retired. She really? got married to Danny Elfman and retired. Henry Selick though, just for monkey bone. Like you probably would appreciate him. He did the nightmare yeah, before yeah. Christmas, James and the giant yeah. peach Coraline. Um, yeah. I anyway. know who he is. Yeah. So Sam Hamm just retired after a while and which is good. But the one thing he, um, that, he wrote that thankfully never got mm-hmm. made was he did an adaptation of Watchmen. That was, that was the one that was out there for a long time. That was going to be done at one point by oh, Terry yeah. Gilliam. I forgot mm-hmm. who else was attached. 
And if you, you can find it on the internet now and just the f- opening sequence is just absolutely absurd, has nothing to do with the move with the comic yeah. book. It's just absolutely ridiculous that it, uh, it's a good thing that I never saw the light of day. Yeah. So one of the things I was going back to the thought of a dreamlike world, I 100% agree with that. Like that's, that's actually one of the things I do love about Burton's look is for yeah, me, it I do great. love the sets were fucking and, great. Yeah, like the the art yeah. direction in it, the sets, and it. This one really reminded me of just how claustrophobic. Um, this time watching, like how claustrophobic Gotham is. Like it's clearly on a soundstage. It clearly owes its look and feel to like uh, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari yeah. and like all of the you know all that like ger- real German expressionism down to like how everything looks. Like you you don't see any sunlight in this one. You do in like the first Batman. Um, so just, you know, I love that look and that, that is one of the things that to me appealed to like Burton as, um, as a filmmaker when I was growing up and like really thinking about doing it. But, and, and to your point about editing, there's like, I remember watching it even back then, but like watching it again this time, that ridiculous scene where he's like surrounded by like the circus yeah. freaks and he, they give him enough time to pull out a batarang and program the batarang to like throw it. And like the way that scene looked was just like, this is bad. Yeah. Like, this does. I don't know what this was about, I, I, but like, I'm I'm glad they gave him time to program. His I got the impression to hit it was them. supposed to be funny, but it but the mm. it didn't seem like it didn't seem funny. Like it didn't seem like like well done editing in terms of funny. Like there was it was poorly written because like the punchline was that the dog cat, catches the uh, the battering yeah. to use later as a as a a trap. Yeah, I guess, and I, I couldn't imagine a single person in the world laughing at that, and so it just seemed like a weird waste of time but kind of a little bit like it was very storyboarded that's the other thing i felt about yeah about like uh, all of batman returns like very storyboarded especially that because it seems like every frame seemed to be like penciled out and if you did that like twice as fast if you did that sequence twice as fast you know you'd have fucking um sam raimi you know you'd have like uh, right. evil dead or something like, and maybe it would have been fast enough yeah. that and slapsticky enough that it would have been funny or at least to have some energy that would have worked, you know? Absolutely. That's, that's exactly what it was missing that weird energy that to make it that next yeah, level. Yeah. And, and I did, I was not all the campiness of, uh, the, the Catwoman character really bugged me. I also, I don't think you really, like, you do not have to have Catwoman be a literal cat. Like you don't have to have cat stuff. Like that bugged me. Like she doesn't have to like, I'm going to take a bath and start like licking her arms. Like it's like, I have a cat. I've had a bunch of cats. Cats are fucking gross. They're unpleasant. Like the whole deal is that she's Mm -hmm. a cat burglar. Put her, put some cat ears on her. And that's all we need to do. Like we don't need her like licking milk or whatever, or even have a cat on screen. It it took, it took the Julie Newmar aspects from the from the yeah. show and just amped them up a little yeah. too much. It took the whole like campiness of like the fifties comics um, and sixties and, and even forties of the Catwoman character as a cat burglar that everything's themed around <laughs> cats and just like, all right, so she's going to come back to, and I, I mean that, you know, the ridiculousness of it, like the nine lives and like how she comes oh, yeah, back yeah. to life. It's like somebody like wrote on a, like had a list on a white, I'm sorry to cut you off, but yeah, it's like somebody had a list mm-hmm. on a whiteboard of like things about cats or expressions about cats, like nine lives, cat baths, cat food, you know, and, <laughs> get, and was checking them off as they wrote the screenplay. Lonely talks. To yeah. Cats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of interesting. Actually. I liked her apartment. Um, I liked her yeah. apartment because it was actually, it was kind of a, it was dingy and, and it was really, the other thing, like Tim Burton as a master of lighting in this period, I've noticed like he's really good at lighting yeah. his actors and that's, we had a really great de- a cinematography, a Stefan Szapski who worked on that. Um, he worked on Edward Scissorhands, Batman returns and, uh, and then Ed Wood. So that, you know, we'll leave yeah, yeah, sure. Wood, but just why I was like, you really need to watch it for that. And also worked on some really great documentaries like the thin blue line with um, oh, yeah? Harold Morris. Yeah. That's cool. And vampires kiss with the, yeah. So I still haven't seen, but I hear it's very, I hear, I hear it's good. A thin blue line. Yeah. No, no, no. I've seen a thin blue line. Of course. No, okay. I mean the vampires kiss. <laughs> I've never seen that either, but is I know that the, the, the is, meat, it, the, is that the Nicolas Cage movie? Yes. Oh yeah. I want to see that one. That looks dope. I love Nicolas Cage, but, um, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen Mandy, check out Mandy. It's great. Uh, I've heard, I've heard. Uh, it's fucking great. Check that but, out. uh, yeah, but I want to get stuck on that. Um, so Selena Kyle's apartment, Michelle Pfeiffer's apartment, and the lighting, the lighting is great. And she has that like weird, um, fluorescent 
lit up yeah. thing and says like what it would say like hello there, which is hello very interesting. There. Just an interesting thing. Like why would you, you right? Know? But it seemed also very like it's not a realistic movie at all. But just for a second, I'm like I could totally see a girl in, like a a 24 year old girl in bedsty, you know, with yeah. with this exact apartment, you know, and right. like that seemed very real to me. But but then like all the stuff about her coming home and. All, yeah, all that like very cliched, like secretary, tr- yeah, you know, whatever, and which is you know a setup to for the scene where she comes back and freaks out over everything. Like they could have just trimmed that first sequence down a lot more, made it a little bit less subtle. Yeah, or I mean, a little bit more subtle versus the like over the top. Oh, the the mother calling about everything. You're so alone. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I wouldn't mind that except it, if it were better. If it were better, you know, I don't mind right. it over the topness of it. Like that's cool. That's cool for me. But it's like it's boring when it's like oh, the mother's like sitcom level shit. Right. It's, when it's telegraphed, it's like which is what that was. It, yeah. Um. But yeah, but again, I like a I teenager didn't, didn't that see that happening. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I think I think that it was more interesting than the first one and think that it got a lot of credit just for being more interesting than the first one. And there's kind of that grimy thing to it. Like everything's a little grimy and dirty and there's a little bit of sexuality somehow present in it in a way that's certainly not in the first one. And yeah. but I think overall it's not great. It it uh like I said, it has not unfortunately lived up to what I recall of it. Um I did like yeah. all the, the circus performers jumping around. That was cool. Yeah. You know, one of those is Doug Jones, who's got, gone on oh, to become the, the senator from Alabama. That's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Who just lost his, his yeah. Uh, yeah. Who moonlights as, you know, Guillermo del Toro's like muse at times. Yeah. 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 And he's when also he's, uh, uh, the, the character in the Twin Peaks uh, revival. Oh, was he? Dougie I, Jones. I, yeah. I actually have not seen that it's one. So fucking good. It's so I've good. I've heard. It's I've heard. Good. Yeah. But like, um, yeah. By the way, I, don't look up what happened to Chip because the man has not aged well. Who's Chip? The son? For Walking Son. Oh, yeah. Don't worry. I'm not. <laughs> after we talked he, about it, I don't care anymore. He played, uh, he played Leatherface in the. Oh, yeah. In the, in the time, in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 03. Oh, that's cool. You know, like all the action scenes are off. But kind right. of in an interesting way, and like the, like one thing, like you go into like a Mar- a Marvel movie or whatever, you know the action scenes are all going to be good. Like they've mastered mm-hmm. that. There's always going to be some fight scene that's going to be interesting or what, or not in, even interesting, but it's going to zip around. It's going to be fast, and they go through those beats. They've mastered that. But it's sort of like everything. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. But all like the 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 other stuff that <laughs> all the other stuff that Tim Burton brings to the table is totally absent from like subsequent uh you know superhero movies on the whole you know it's like there's really not this sense of a craft and art that i think is there you know it was the period there was that period though like immediately after that where you get like that um alec baldwin shadow the phantom like there was that 90s period where they were trying to really recreate the lightning in a bottle of batman and batman returns yeah yeah that yeah. really kind of and like like i said the the biggest thing that comes out of there out of Batman Returns is the look of Gotham for the animated series, which again is so far and above any of the best Batman. Um, yeah, I think I, I like the animated series, but I feel like they're still drawing from that well, and it kind of mm-hmm. kind of retroactively makes it seem shittier to me. Like <laughs> the fact that they're still making movies and little you know little things that look like that. Like I don't know if you have yeah. HBO Max, but everyone's like I when do, I was. Yeah. If you, like I was looking for Batman Returns, and like you see all the Batman content, you're like, oh, oh God. yeah, no, I feel like they've overdone it. With apparently, like comic book fans really do like the DC animated films over over any of the live action stuff that's been coming out. But I'm yeah. just like they over they've been going back, and there's no actual like what I love about the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that for 20 plus films, they've been able to create an entire universe all that that's completely interconnected. Whereas like DC has done like an absolutely shitty job of doing that over their properties. And even now in their recent attempts still, you know, did we really need a Joker movie that was just unnecessarily bleak? Um, Hard disagree. I mean, that's the only good one. Oh man. I, I can't stand that one. It rules. Uh, it rules. Uh, and you're wrong. But, right, um, that, I think that's another episode we'll have to go sure, into. No, that, no, you know, the cool thing about that movie is that it looks like a movie unlike which was actually Agreed. I thought of that movie while watching Dumbo 
which we'll get to later. But <laughs> yeah, no, I thought of the Joker because like just, well, a real quick couple of sentences on Dumbo, but it has that depressing fucking computer shit, like all modern filmmaking. Had. Yeah. Like, I'm like, oh God, like, just was, like, I hated that. Yeah. Like the grass is not that color. It doesn't need to be that bright and everything doesn't need to be fucking like uh, blue and yellow just because they're the most contrasting colors. Like don't, you don't have to color correct every fucking thing in the world. And like when I, I remember when I saw a Joker in a theater, and I was very skeptical about it. And I was like, ah, whatever. And then there are just shots where I'm like, oh, this is like a fucking movie. And and it just, yeah. uh, and it was just so, it was like a warm bath or something. Like it just felt like so, like so much better. And just like, it was the absence of like this thing that I really so strongly dislike. But yeah, we don't have to talk about the Joker anymore. At the yeah. Time. Uh, no, I would just say like I do actually the cinematography is what I preferred the most out of that movie was it just looked the cinematography of Joker was yeah it's outstanding cool. like yeah the shot, the shot where like he's just like running through and there's some overhead street light yeah like stuff like yeah. that I'm like oh so good you know just to put a bow on on the Batman Returns of like one thing that I take away from it now like revisiting it and if I were to say like that I appreciate from what I had then and now is still the like. The act, that whole art direction, that feel of creating this dreamlike world of taking a comic book, which, at, you know, one of the reasons it still kind of like lives in my mind as a thing is Batman and Batman Returns were like two of the first real contemporary or modern day, like revisions of superheroes into this, into the big screen that worked to, yeah, you know, yeah. to a degree, to the degree that we can now look at it and say like, well, it's, it does feel dated. It feels very eighties and you know, nineties at this point. But at the same time, like he create, he was able to create this dream world. He t- was able to take a comic book, turn it into a, a live action dream world, which is really to me as a comic book fan and and a sci fi fan and, and comic book cinema fan, I guess is the best way to term. Really worked for me then, and watching it now, like while some I have problems with it now, like there's still that feel of like I feel like this is what Gotham should be. Like as much as I like. Chicago as Gotham for stand-ins in a uh, in the Dark Knight series. I still kind of prefer this like funky little. It's a weird dream, and you're just invited into this yeah. dream. And this, I hope, leads us into Ed Wood, which is what I love about Ed Wood as a dream version of a biography. Yeah, <laughs> does that yeah does that, that transition there? <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah, that's good. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I applaud you. I applaud you in your broadcasting and. Uh, segue skills yeah because it's interesting like you watch the beginning of uh ed wood and it's like this credits open up and it's all these images from that harken back to actual ed wood movies right and and some of it's like the bad special effects like tentacles and whatever ufos and whatever and then the the initial part of the movie because it's very heightened you know all the acting is very heightened you know um yeah it's kind of jarring at first because at first it, it really I, is yeah at first it was like are they gonna because uh, i hadn't seen it in in years i think since it came out and i was like okay it's interesting it starts seems like an ed wood movie ha 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 then i'm like oh is all the acting gonna be like an ed wood movie you know i mean it becomes it it doesn't carry through but for like a minute there it, it, it was like uh-oh you know <laughs> It was, it was, uh, that was my reaction, but also like the thing I was saying before about the, the, the weird pacing of Tim yeah. Burton's movies was really, really evident watching Ed Wood this time. I don't know. How do you feel about it? How was it like revisiting for you? So it was a weird revisit for me, much in the same way that Batman Returns was. And I guess because watching them back to back, um, last night, it was kind of, and, Putting, trying to also put myself in, in the mindset of when I watched it as a young adult in college studying film, it was sort of, um, and not like having really grown up with the Ed Wood work, but like also feeling the same way. Like I remember at that point being that stereotypical, like, oh my God, Orson Welles, Orson Welles. And seeing like Ed Wood, like do that throughout the whole movie was like, yeah, I must've sounded like that. Right. Oh my God. What an idiot. But uh, at the same time, like I, there's so much about it that I still really like and enjoyed. And it is hard to get into at times for me, um, Johnny Depp's over the top performance of this, just being like so naively, like innocent in a way and, and, and 
genuine in his like approach to everything. And you just yeah. want to kind of like shake him much like Dolores, like shake him awake and be like, you're making shit movies. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're surrounded by these incompetent people and like, um, but then like the magic of Martin Landau, like that performance to me is still just so, so wonderful and their dynamic together. And like, as you yeah. said about like the, you know, I, as I, message do you like see it on as as best quality you can because yeah Zapatsky's like cinematography is just yeah. phenomenal it is yeah. so beautiful the lighting I mean seeing it in black and white and just yeah 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 and the reason they did that and which was you know the 90s at the time for a big budget movie to do that was kind of unheard of yeah. um and they pushed it because <laughs> one thing was uh no one had seen had ever seen what Bella Lugosi's eyes looked like in color, so they didn't know what to do. Right, and there's kind of that nice little like jab in the middle of it where they're talking to the cinematographer and asking him which color dress, and he's like, "I'm colorblind, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. one." Um, yeah, that's fine. Well, I just want to before I get too far away from it. Yeah, yeah. I'll let you make the, your point, but yeah. So I, I, you can find a free version of this movie on YouTube, and it's of such poor quality. It's really funny to watch it. That was what I watched it first. <laughs> And the whole movie, it's backwards. Like it's the the right is on the left and the left is on the right. And at first I thought that was like oh, a deliberate thing. Cause like the credits, I'm like, oh yeah. Cause the credits do like that deliberately like bad Ed Wood thing. And I thought that was right. a deliberate, I thought having the names backwards was a deliberate choice. And then it took me a while and I was like, oh no, this is just a really shitty transfer that you can watch for free. And also I think that, um, the frame is too close. Like somebody like videotaped their television oh, or something, no. but I found a better, I found a, fe- a better free streaming version of it. So, I, and you're right. Yeah. Don't, don't watch the free shitty version, the 480p version that's on YouTube. Like you uh, do, do a little bit more Google foo and find the, <laughs> the high def one that you can watch for free on some Russian site or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it is on, on Amazon, or if you want to give money to the big conglomerates like Amazon and Google, it is on both of those. But yeah, you can um, rent it. Uh, yeah, but I just, yeah, yeah I just that's what I did. I, I yeah. did. Yeah, I had some free credit. So, um, <clears throat> and I'm glad I, you know what? I am really glad I picked that one and to watch it again because it did remind me of like what I really did enjoy about it and what I enjoyed about Burton when Burton is yeah doing good and why I still stand by that is quite possibly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The talk, better film. Talk on the that. Film. Talk on that. Take a bit of extra time. So I'm going to refill my drink. I'll be right back. <laughs> no, but for real, talk. Talk about why you like it, and I'll be right back. Okay. Um, so one of the reasons I really appreciate this movie is, A, it's not – while it's about someone that's over the top, he's scaled back to actually tell a genuinely human story and to do so with love and admiration for someone that was very much like him, a young – wannabe filmmaker who just made films any way he could. Uh, he starts off as working in the props department of a, of a Hollywood studio system production house. And just by any means necessary finds films and, and much like a great experimental filmmaker can look at found footage and start telling a story from the found footage. And granted a lot of his stories tend to, always have to deal with being sci-fi monster movies. He still has this passion for telling that story and wanting to do it, which is something Burton does. Like that is one of the great things about Burton is that he has a passion for telling stories uh, and bringing us into these dream worlds, much like Batman returns, Edward Scissorhands, Beetlejuice. They're just these crazy visions and stories um, that he's able to bring together. And this one works on that level and it works on telling the story of a, of a person and his, and his group of misfits that come together in his relationship with Bella Lugosi, um, known best for his role as Dracula. Yeah. And then, um, just being able to tell that human story, which is something I feel so few of his films really can capture. Cause they just go start going over the top into the phantasmagoria um, and which is one of the reasons why I know this whole conversation, I think started around big fish and my, I think supportive big fish for something. Um, and that one I think is the other one I felt he, he's able to at least tell a human story. I uh, um, okay. I'd have to re- yeah. rewatch that one. I was kind of curious. I was kind of interested in rewatching that one, but yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of, like I felt like that one or Charlie would have been the good one to do for the middle middle period, but I'm glad we did Ed Wood because I'd really I really do just love the look of it, the feel of it. Yeah. Um you're right with the editing, like once again the editing is a very um very he takes these long types of shots at times um and the pacing's a little off, but there are some really magical moments like Yeah. In, in this one specifically. And what I love is just that it's so actually down to earth. Like it's unlike the previous four films, we five films we've had uh, from him, which are just these kind of crazy wild stories. I mean, down to even Pee Wee's big adventure, like it still goes off in these insane, um, insane dreamlike aspects. Ed Wood being the dream it is in black and white and about yeah. this, you know, kind of this fictional story, of a biography. I mean, there's a lot of fact yeah, to it, yeah. but at the same time, it's a very like skewed interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, but it's, the, the goal was clearly not documentary realism. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, just from Ed, from Johnny's performance and even Dolores, uh, Sarah, Jessica Parker, Jessica, Sarah, Jessica, Sarah, Jessica Parker. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's a tough um, name, man. Oh God. Don't, don't beat yourself uh, up. Why do people have to have these three names? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. But to me, like the as it was the the je- oh, I'm freaking Bill Murray. Bill Murray's amazing. He's really that. good. Yeah, I think I that, love. And uh, yeah, no, go on, go on. Yeah, I don't know. I was just gonna say, like him, him playing a a a man who wants to get a sex change, and just he just plays him so humanly and yeah, yeah, a yeah. part that could have been completely played over the top by a well, bad Mexico director. was a nightmare. Yes. I love that. that scene. Yeah. That's so good. That was, yeah. I wish he, he was in the died. movie more. Yeah. 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 <laughs> he's on. Yeah. He's not in the movie enough. I feel right. Yeah. I mean, he also has one of the two of the best lines, which sure. are at the uh, Bishop <laughs> Bishop at the, um, where they're getting baptized and, and a, yeah. he says, let's hear him call Boris Karloff a cocksucker. Yeah. 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 And and then his like, you know, which I think just comes to the core of like, why I like this movie where Ed Wood is able to convince his friends or was able in real life to convince his friends to become baptized, to be baptized, um, to produce a movie. And, and Bill Murray's character, bunny calls him out on that. Like you, how do you get your, friends to get baptized in a Baptist church yeah. just so you can make a movie. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, you know, I thought it was good. I, I liked Ed Wood, but I did feel like it felt like it was playing at half speed the whole, yeah. the whole movie. And I, and, and I, 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 I kind of warmed to that after a while. Cause it's sort of like, it wasn't until uh, Bella Lugosi is in the movie where I was like, I was kind of, really building up like a head of steam of like, I'm going to say this movie sucks <laughs> for until like he shows up and he's like, yeah, call off. He can't eat my shit. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Okay. No, this is good. Cause those, uh, there, there's, there's, there's things that pop in it. The things that yeah. in the movie that pop really fucking hard. And like, you know, like obviously that or George, the great George, the animal steel RIP, you know, he's yeah, like, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> What's his name? It's like Lobo. It's like Lobo will do it. You know, he's so good. <laughs> and he has that, yeah, I, they put like some kind of deepening filter on his voice and it's really good. But yeah, but it's just a little bit too slow. The momentum isn't there. And which kind of like an Ed Wood movie. <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing. Like it kind of is like an Ed Wood movie. And this is, um, this is a weird comparison maybe, but I recently, but maybe not. And I'll tell you why. Last week I rewatched uh, Dolomite is my name. Oh, you know that, I still haven't seen that. I need it's to. so fucking good. Watch it. I, it's, I, it's, I wanted. It's yeah. Black Ed Wood. It's fucking Black Ed Wood. Right. Oh yeah. I I, yeah, I know. Yeah. I I watched Dolomite. So I watched the Dolomite yeah, yeah. series. I met Dolomite. Oh, shut up! Really? Yeah, I met Rudy Ray Moore. If you don't mind. No, I have to check out Dolomite. So yeah. Yeah. That's... Oh yeah. Yeah. So I so I, I rewatched it recently, and it's they're very similar films. Mm. And actually, so is like the movie with the James Franco movie about making the room. Like the like okay. Edward is like the model for this. It's like these, you know, the makers of yeah. kind of bad movies. But I will say like Dolomite's not a bad movie. Like Dolomite's really super right. like entertaining for what it is. And it's really smart for what it is. You know, it is, it's a singular I, document, you know. 
Edward kind of really suffers by comparison to Dolomite, even though like the film, the filmmaking is not really there. Like it's, it's not the singular work that Ed Wood is, but it is like mm-hmm. it moves. It's a well done movie, but it's just like Ed Wood has already been made. So, you know, like that's right. The, 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 you, so it's there. That's the, that's the template. Anything else is it going to be an echo of it? And, but it moves faster and there's much more energy and it's a lot more like about a gang of misfits putting on, you know, again, an against all odds thing where they have to really band together and pull together all their strengths and make something for the community. But it's more like there's a more powerful thing to it. Cause he's drawing from African-American folklore. Right. And it's really about like this thing about like, what's a crossover for black performer, you know, performance of color or, right. you know, and what is, you know, what is like, black culture that's too unacceptable to, to cross over and you know having eddie murphy in it the, you know the you know the first like su- like really really like, Af- like strong african-american superstar who is like unapologetically african-american like in a way that, like right. sydney poitier or even like um uh, richard Pryor was you know wasn't you know like the the first like non-crossover african-american superstar and having like having the first scene in the movie is fucking uh snoop dogg you know, who was like the, like the scariest dude in the world when he first came out, then he became like the biggest crossover dude ever, you know? And so that's Dolomite is so fun and so good. And then watching Ed Wood afterwards, even though Ed Wood is, you know, the more noteworthy work of art, cause it came first, Ed Wood really suffered by comparison. Cause it's also like, you know, Dolomite is all these fucking great funk songs and there's like, and everybody's kind of high right. energy and it's like not afraid to be funny or fast or just go off or, you know, be like a key and peel sketch for a second, you know, like, um, uh-huh. <laughs> Keegan Michael key is in it and, and he's great. And, and so it sort of suffers by comparison for that in my mind, which is a coincidence, but it's also like, all right, well I'll do my meta criticism, which you can say, and I wrote this down cause it's a complicated idea. All right. And you can say this is fucking uh-huh. bullshit. Cause I'm not, I might be standing on some bullshit right here. Okay. But here it is. So the films mm-hmm. of Ed Wood became famous because people ridiculed them. People thought they sucked in a funny way right. and made cruel yet fun sport of them. You see bad special effects and crummy acting and a poorly conceived story, and you watch it with your friends, and you get to call it stupid and inept and crack jokes. And that's fine. You get to say, fuck you, this sucks, and let off a little bit of steam. There's no victim. Nobody gets hurt. But then Tim Burton asks audiences to process Ed Wood's movies differently. We're supposed to see something pure in him. We're supposed to root for him. He's a scrappy underdog of the dream and deserves our compassion. And I think that's a bad idea. I think people have a limited amount of compassion. I think if you care about everything and everyone, you go fucking insane. There's a part of being human being that there's part of being human that requires us to say, fuck you, this sucks. You have to be a little bit mean sometimes. And it's fucking fun and it's a release. Whereas compassion is work. Because it, re- it it reminds us of our need for compassion and vulnerability. All right. So the movie asks us to not say, fuck you, this sucks to Ed Wood. It asks us to be compassionate to Ed Wood. And I don't think he deserves compassion. I think that he was not a great filmmaker. And I think his movies fucking suck. And like, I think that saying, fuck you, this sucks, brings together humanity way more than like celebrating him as like this little pure soul underdog guy. I mean, I don't think, <clears throat> I guess I would look at it as a humanist idea of, um, I might be saying that wrong, but to say like, we don't have to give him compassion. I think that's a different idea than saying you don't have to appreciate, you don't have to acknowledge that what we're seeing is a film about a guy that made really bad work. <laughs> like, like he had a dri- he had this driven, he was driven to create this stuff and yeah, we can all acknowledge, excuse me. We can all acknowledge that like the work he did was bad and like, and we're seeing it on screen. Like you're seeing him lay out just how bad it is for me. Who's done like, I guess I'm coming at it as an idea of like someone that's worked on work on projects that are not that different from Ed Wood. We just have like, like 50 years off from Ed and a little bit more right. to work with, but at the same time, like I've I've literally worked on a project where it's just like someone just you know. There's a great scene where like um, Bella is like, "I've worked with people and they do 
you know, they would do four takes and they would do four scenes in a day. And Ed, Ed yeah, does yeah, 20 yeah. scenes. Yeah. It's great. Um, you good. Sorry, that was good. That was a fucking good Bela Lugosi impression, man. I liked it. So I'm surprised. So, I mean, I've been on that per- walking, but go on. Dude, I, I tell me about it. Normally I break yeah, yeah, right yeah. into a walk-in. Um, but like I worked on a project that one day we shot 20 pages, which is right, ridiculously right. stupid. Yeah. Like you should never do that. And it, and that shows on screen and I have no fucking compassion for it. Like I, I like watch it and like mock it in the way that like, I feel bad for the people that we all worked on it. But at the same time, I'm not about to like be like, oh my God, like, you know, the people that I worked that worked with me and worked on it, I, I feel like we, we were doing what we wanted to do to like at least create something. Yeah. But the work is shit. Here I, I see that so I'm transposed as saying that, yeah. I guess, on Ed Wood and in I this think, particular I think film. Everybody which does. I, saw, I think that's that's why it's a cult film, because I think it's like this love letter to right. making movies, right? And so and, exactly, and right. to a certain degree. Like I would like to be a love letter to like fucking being a plumber. Like that would be so much cooler to me. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's like the scene with, with, um, you know, the kind of gratuitous as much as I loved it at the time, because I was a Wells, a Wells fan. Um, and I love Vincent D'Onofrio, but like Vincent D'Onofrio as Wells. And then you have him dubbed over, which is a shame because D'Onofrio does wasn't really it the good Wells anyway. Yeah, it was, it was more, uh, Maurice LaMarche as, as the voice of Wells. And it just yeah, looks so yeah, off yeah. now, like watching it now, I'm like, why not just let, like, it's great. Like, had they not done it but otherwise, had they not seems, like done it that way, but it just adds to that. Right, but to it that seems artifice like of, that's okay. Sorry, no, go I, on. And I, I get what you're saying, but I feel like it's very self-serving. It's like so you're doing this love letter mm-hmm. to filmmaking, and it's like any filmmaker is good now because you take the shittiest one and you like find the the exegesis of his pure soul and intentions, and and then it's like you can't and and the thing where people are like making fun of the movie that's just on not there and the documentary realism of his life which would probably be more interesting to me you know is just totally not yeah. there like his he was a wretched alcoholic and like yeah and it's like and, oh, and God, i was yeah. like watching the movie and it's like you have fucking uh, uh johnny depp it was very good but he's like doing like a like a ronald reagan tv persona impression and like in real life like yeah, I was trying to place what that was, like what his care, what he's trying to. Like, I saw an interview where he said Ronald Reagan like and something else, but yeah, Ronald Reagan. Like I was like, oh yeah, that's the one that really rings for me. But um, yeah, and it's like no, in real life, Edward is a wretched alcoholic, and you watch the movie, and the the like the most telling scenes, the ones about Bella Gosi being like a fucking morphine addict. Yeah, so like, yeah, why not addict. bring to the front? that Ed Wood was a wretched alcoholic, like that would kind of be more interesting to me and make like a funkier, better movie yeah. in my mind. But again, I'm a, jur- I'm a fucking journal. Oh, cool. uh, yeah, I agree yeah but that. like uh, I'm a journalist and maybe like, I'm not really a filmmaker. I don't really have the loyalty to like the, the, the art, the craft of film. Like I appreciate film and stuff, but it's sort of like, I don't think that every fucking filmmaker deserves respect. Like <laughs> my joke. And I was, I, th- I thought you'd like this yeah. I was imagining. Here's a, Here's a horrifying thought exercise. So imagine instead of Ed Wood, it's Michael Bay. And instead of shot in the. Dude, I was literally yeah, just yeah, going to say shot Michael in the, Bay. And like, you know, Ed Wood style. It's like fucking Michael Bay. It's like, you know, like Shaun of the Dead, like a piss take on fucking Michael Bay. It's like him right. and Wesleyan, but everything's blowing up and there's a million cuts. Every- <laughs> I would have, I would have gone for that. I was, what I was going to say about Michael Bay is when you were talking about like, you know, someone makes really shitty films, but like you're like harping on this one thing or two, like the idea of like, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, like Bay's work is, I, I don't care for it. I do, however, really enjoy the rock, the rock and then the rock is a fun film. It's a really, actually the rock is a really well yeah. done film because he's, he wasn't at the top of like saying he could do whatever, but there is a film he did after like recent years. Um, that's actually quite good. Um, shockingly, like because it's not full of Bay. The bodybuilder it's, one. Um, yeah, it's really. That's yeah, the bodybuilder one. Movie. Like, yeah, I like that. Yeah, the rock yeah, that's a really Mark good movie, Mark and it's and, like, and, um, and that's, yeah, it was good, right? And that one's based on a true story, and like he actually does a really good job of like doing yeah, and adapting yeah. this. Thing. There's a series. Um, I, it's a series, I don't know if you've like a series of articles by like a Miami like a. I remember yeah. this because like it was an alt weekly guy. It was based on like a series of alt weekly mm-hmm. from Miami. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and Justin yeah, Tony Shalhoub, yeah, of great. course. Yeah, yeah that was a good movie. Uh, he is uh, Michael Bay. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's awful, but he's got a couple of moments, and it's sort of like I will. Say, I think that Tony Scott is the better version of Michael Bay. I, I recently watched some. Oh, like, absolutely, uh, I watched Man on Fire recently, and um, that holds up. That's like, and that's that's a it, oh, yeah, God, it's it's good, really? it's good, but it's too intense, and it's like too. It's funny because like this is a, another thesis and I'm getting way off track, but it's like um yeah, yeah. so the thing that everybody thought was ruining filmmaking in like the nineties and early two thousands was people like being too influenced by MTV. But now there's no MTV and so you watch all those movies and they're fucking yeah. awesome. Like you watch like fucking like you watch like those yeah. Tony Scott movies and it's like Yeah, oh, they're amazing. Or, like I watched um uh, uh Hype Williams movie, Belly, which is fucking shit acting for the well there's some good acting but like the the main role is Nas the rapper and he's terrible great rapper terrible right. actor but like the the cinematography like it looks like a puff daddy video which is cuz it's directed by the guy who directed the puff daddy videos and it's a great fucking movie I forgot what I was like looking at that I was like oh this guy whoever it was director or dp he had actually done a lot of like music videos yeah. and like oh, that makes sense. Have you ever watched Badass, by the way? <laughs> oh no, 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 no. I never his, saw uh, Sweet his... Sweet Badass song either. I didn't see Sweet Sweet Badass song, but I, I did see Badass. And it, you, it, I meant to bring this up earlier when you're talking about my name is Dolomite or Dolomite is my name because that's actually that's actually a great version of that because he's he's really uncensored about his dad. Like he yeah. he shows like a lot of what his dad was like yeah. during that period. Um, unlike what, you know, Tim, you're, cause you're absolutely right. Like Tim Burton just kind of glosses over a lot of the, Ed, a lot of Ed Wood stuff. There are moments that like watching it this time that I was like, you know, Ed does come off of, like a real, like he does come off as a yeah. dick. Like he comes off as a dick to like Dolores. He comes off as a dick to even Bella where it's like it, where when he's just like, it's like, he's clearly, admi- he clearly admires Bella, but also abuses his, privilege of being yeah of, like when he takes him Bella. out of the rehab early and, and he's a little bit manipulative i think well yeah but he takes him out of the rehab because they yeah, yeah they're gonna true. kick him out anyway yeah but i thought it was also like that, trying, that, like, that part uh, like okay yeah yeah no no that was because they his insurance yeah. wasn't going to cover it oh so he, it, was, it was actually a nice that was thing all he could oh, do i misinterpreted it yeah i thought yeah, it was, it was like, nice him, like being like we can't you know i mean like he could have I don't know, taken out a loan or something, but instead he's like, Bella, you're good. You got to go home. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, to me, the, the shining parts of that movie are, are clearly all the scenes with, uh, with Martin Landau as yeah. Bella Lugosi. Like he's just so well realized yeah. as a human character. I think Johnny Depp is great in that movie. And I think a lot of the acting is very good. I just think it's kind of weirdly slow and and I do that kind yeah. of meta criticism, which I you know maybe I'm maybe it's I don't really know if that's hundred percent right. I don't know if that's airtight and but whatever. But yeah, I feel like it's kind of slow in in a way that's to its detriment. But I did li- I really enjoy that that yeah. there's no Danny Elfman score. That was fucking awesome. I love that Howard Shore score. That Howard Shore score is so good. And like that, there's that one particular scene I just love the music too when they're actually at the rap party for um, their first major film there that they do. And there's that one guy that's on the Farfisa and, and Ed Wood comes out and plays and the music that the guy's playing on the Farfisa is just like, I, I used to listen to that. Oh yeah. I had yeah, the score yeah. as a, really, yeah. in high in college. And I used to listen to that particular song a lot. Like I just, I like that, yeah. that, that particular music. And uh, yeah. You know, it was funny. So like a lot of the movie is, you know, oh, so we had all these bad actors because they're people who are financing the film or their sons or whatever. And then and and like all those performances are mm-hmm. bad and they sabotage the movie and whatever, you know. But in the, <laughs> well, the worst performance in there is fucking Lisa Marie as Vampira, oh who is Tim Burton's girlfriend at the time. So it's like she's only in there because she was, you know, uh, Tim Burton's and girlfriend. Like, and could so, look like... Uh, vampire yeah a, a little bit but i think anybody right. could like you put on those eyebrows and a black wig and i mean you could that actually could have been god fucking the real life elvira <laughs> what's her what's that lady's name she oh. must have been so pissed off because that was like 
That would have been like the perfect role for her. Like bringing fucking Elvira. I mean, it would also have been a perfect like fuck you to Vampira considering she sued Elvira. Oh, I didn't know that. It's at the tail end of um, when they're talking about like who, like whatever in like um, in whatchamacallit, uh, an animal house style credits where they're telling you exactly what happens to everybody. Um, Vampire gets, Vampire tried to sue Elvira later on in life to, because she stole oh, her funny. act. So that would have been it. Oh yeah. That would have been good. I mean, also like Elv- Elvira was, I mean, Elvira was not long, but she'd been around for a mm-hmm. while, you know, I, but you know, I, she rules. I fucking yeah. love Elvira. Oh, no, she's great. Bad. And that would have been, but instead it was like, you have to have, you know, Tim Burton had to hire his girlfriend to fuck up the movie. Yeah, much like Ed Wood does with Dolores. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That was what was so funny. Yeah. Yeah, like, but I'm like, you are so blind yeah. to this. I mean, know? so my, have you read the book at all about Deadwood? Like, this, the biography? Uh, I'm not that interested. I, in 